Welcome to the Autobahn Country Club Podcast, where your host, club member John Grabeel, opens the doors to America's premier auto sports club. Now, here's John. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Today, we have two interviews. One interview is with Tom Singer. Tom is the safety coordinator for the Audubon Country Club. It's a pretty cool interview. Uh, we get to hear a lot about the background, how they set up the safety program, and how amazing it is that the program is. I had no idea. And after Tom, we have an interview with Balton Alls. He works for MyLaps, and MyLaps is the current maker of the transponder that works for timing, either on the car track or on the full road track. And he talks a little bit about uh, the history of the uh, MyLaps company, and he also talks about where they're going and answers some of the questions I think that we all have about our old transponders and make sure that they're going to still be working. After that, we're going to wrap up with uh, some announcements. So here's Tom Sainer on the Audubon Country Club podcast. My name is Tom Sainer. Tom Sainer. And you're the official position is the safety coordinator. Is that correct? I'm the safety coordinator at the Audubon Country Club. And Tom, are you, are you from the area around here? Where did you grow up? I grew up on the south side of Chicago uh, until I was 16, and then I moved to Innsdale, my parents. Okay. And then after, after that, uh, I lived in Innsdale on my own for a little while, and then I moved to Dollar Grove, where I live now. Okay, so that's a, you got about an hour drive, is that about it, to the track? Uh, it's about 40 minutes. It's, uh, it's 35 miles. Uh, of mostly it's way. Okay. And are, did you, how did you get involved? Are you a car guy? Did you get, or how'd you get involved in the, in the safety aspect of, of everything? Uh, I was, uh, I'm a retired fireman in Hinsdale, Illinois. Oh, okay. And, uh, I was, uh, a, a paramedic firefighter in Hinsdale. And, uh, I was at the firehouse one day, and there was an ad on the uh, bulletin board that they were looking for people to uh, man the safety team. So I came out uh, for a job fair before the track was open, and I've been here since the day one. Oh, wow. Okay, it's been here long. So how long were you a firefighter in Hinsdale? Uh, I was a uh, firefighter in Hinsdale for 36 years. Twelve of those years, I was a uh, KDAC call reserve fireman, and uh, for 24 years, I was a time paramedic firefighter. Oh, wow. And it's, it's the, now, yeah, the paramedic, that would be, so that's the highest level of what, what EMS we would call that, is that correct? Is that the, the highest qualification? Right. In the state of Illinois, there's, uh, there's EMTs. And then there's paramedics. And uh, EMTs, they go to about uh, all a uh, six-month uh, class. And then uh, for paramedics, it's two years worth of schooling. Oh, wow. So it's, it's, it is quite a bit of difference. It's, it's how it, 
are most fire departments manned with paramedics or are they uh, EMTs? Nowadays, nowadays it's real hard to it, nowadays it's real hard to find a, a job as a fireman unless you're a paramedic. Um, oh, really? Most of the departments in the in the Chicagoland area are manned with uh, paramedics. Now, some some departments they uh, they contract that out to a private company, but uh, most fire departments in Chicagoland do not. EMS is fire based in northeastern Illinois. I get it. So deep, just... As, as opposed to being hospital-based in other areas of uh, of the nation. Oh, I see. And so even the run-of-the-mill fireman, he, he's he's a, a, a paramedic also, even though he might not be performing those specific duties. Hansel was typical. Uh, we would uh, we we were all paramedics, and uh, but we were also firemen. So on some days you'd be assigned to the ambulance, and some days you'd be assigned to the fire truck, and some days you'd be assigned to a fire engine. And I I had other ancillary duties also. I was a fire investigator. I was a fire inspector. Uh, I was on the uh, I was on on a arson task force I, I, I did a lot of jobs as a fireman and one of them was being a paramedic and when uh, when Mark Basso uh, sent out applica- or invitations for people to come and apply I, I did and so wow so yeah so you've been there since since the club opened how, how did you start how I mean how, for example how big is the the safety team now that's at the club how many how many people well, uh, when we first started, it was uh, there were there were probably uh, fifteen or sixteen uh, people, and and we were uh, we were uh, param- we were EMTs only. Uh, even though I was a paramedic, uh, we only operated as EMTs because our uh, the track track was was not licensed and was not part of it part of the uh, Silver Cross Emergency Medical Services uh, Division, and we we didn't, uh, we were just EMTs, and our, uh, occasionally we'd have uh, an ambulance come out, and in fact, for the first year, there was an ambulance sitting here every day, and we just uh, manned the safety truck, and, and about, oh, I, I don't know, maybe three years into the track's existence, um, there was a management uh, operations change, and uh, Mike Greer was hired, and and they uh, they decided that they needed uh, safety coordinators uh, because that job was being performed by the person who had Mike's job before him. So we were invited, myself and uh, and another fellow, were invited to be the uh, safety coordinators, and that's that, that I've been a safety coordinator since. So it was uh, we determined that we probably would be better off. Uh, we were um, if we were working under the auspices of a project medical director and a doctor and whose, whose license we work under, and it would take some of the liability away from us personally and the track uh, in general. So we we decided that we were going to. Uh, uh, 
be part of the Silver Cross Emergency Medical System, which is, uh, they run out of Region 7 of Northern Illinois. And uh, so we work under, um, we work, we work under a doctor's license. Well, we were only working as as, uh, as basic life support people, uh, and so we decided maybe two years after that that it would be better if we had paramedics at the track all the time. And that's when we that's when we uh, approached the, the project medical director and asked for his. Uh, his uh, advice on how we could do do that, you know, bring advanced life support to the racetrack, and uh, we we under his auspices, we uh, we tested into the system, and now we have a state license from the state of Illinois uh, Department of uh, Public Health that uh, allows allows the track to have an advanced life support presence. At the racetrack, and, and uh, that was a huge deal. Uh, the difference, the difference between basic life support and advanced life support is huge. Um, we can uh, now use our paramedic skills to start IVs and uh, administer medication. Uh, um, we can do actually paramedics in the state of Illinois can do minor, minor surgical interventions to save lives and. Uh, and until that happens, the track didn't have that opportunity. We would be waiting for the Joliet Fire Department to arrive to do those uh, medical interventions, even though we were trained, but we didn't have the license to do it. So we we now do, and uh, we work under uh, under the project medical director at Silver Cross. <clears throat> wow, I had I had no idea. Is there a is is there a higher level that you could that's that's possible to attain, or is is this the gold standard for for you know safety safety personnel? It sounds it sounds pretty advanced to me. It is. This is as far as you can go. In fact, for a while, uh, we uh, to our knowledge, we were uh, one of the only tracks like this in the nation that had uh, their own on-site paid personnel who were track employees who were paramedics. That's changed. That's changed in the last few years because people have come and seen what we've done here and they've they've, uh, they've also uh, taken the necessary uh, steps to, to provide uh, advanced life support at their racetracks. It's very expensive, and it's not uh, it's not something that's taken very lightly. Um, uh, just the cardiac monitors that we carry in our in our uh, crash trucks that you see out here at the Autobahn. We have cardiac monitors that cost twenty five thousand dollars a piece. Wow! Wow! Yeah, and those. And those those monitors have to be maintained month. I mean, uh, annually, and uh, there's a lot there's a lot more to it. The, the drugs that you see, the drug box that you drug drug bag that you see in our crash truck is the same drug box that's carried in in an ambulance. All the gear is the same. 
Wow. Would you guys ever be called off the track? Like if something happened across the street, would you, would you respond to that to help? (laughs) Or are you just limited to to the track? We're just limited to the track. Our, uh, we, we have a mutual aid agreement with the Joliet Fire Department, but it's very one way. We don't go to them. They only come to us. Got it. Okay. And, and, how big is the safety the safety team at the track? Uh, this year we started the, the season with 25 people. Uh, myself and an assistant, uh, his name is Ken Zahara. And there's uh, 23 members uh, that are, uh, for the most part, paramedics. We have um, four or five people that are, that are Still EMTs. One of them is just graduating from paramedic school, and others uh, are, are in school right now. But uh, it, it's 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 strictly uh, our our goal is to start the season with twenty five paramedics. And is this are, are are you guys available? Is there someone there twenty four hours a day, or just during when the track is open? Um. Just just when the track is open. If we if we were to provide twenty four hour care, we would have to purchase an ambulance and be a transport agency. Oh, okay. So, so right now we right. So right now we are an ALS non transport agency. Got advanced life support non transport agency. I got it. Okay. Wow. Um, right. Right. And that's what our state license says. And uh, if anybody wants to see it, it's hanging in my office. <laughs> so it is a uh, it's a pretty cool thing to have. And um, there's a lot that goes into keeping it. Yeah, and your, your building... Have, uh, uh, your building's right next to... As you're going toward the car track from the um, from the cafe, your building's like to to the right there, and they call that the ALS building. Is that is that correct? Yeah, that's why they call it the ALS building because it was it was built so that we could uh, uh, go from an a from a PLS non transport basic life support to advanced life support, and that's why it's called ALS. Uh, That's why it says ALS on the building. I didn't know that. Okay, <laughs> I've learned. I'm learning an, an right. amazing amount <laughs> at this converse, in this conversation. Right. Wow. And, and and one of the one of the reasons that the building was built uh, was was because uh, we needed a, a specific place to secure our uh, our medications and our equipment. And that was that was uh, one of the things that the project medical director that we work under required that. Hmm. Is is that person like a, a, a an ER doctor or is that or are they more of a, like a administrative doctor? No, he's the uh, he's the the, the the doctor whose license I work under and we all work under is the uh, medical director at Silver Cross Hospital. Okay. Okay, and and Silver Cross Hospital is that is that in Joliet or is that just one of the Joliet hospitals? I don't live up there, so I'm 
I'm not. It's, no, it's, 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 it used to be in downtown Joliet, and, and they moved out to Route, uh, Route 6 and 355. And you go past that hospital every time you drive down 355. Ah, okay. Okay. And so how many total crash rescue trucks do you guys um, have in the system? We have two trucks. Uh, originally, the track started with three, but uh, we really we really didn't need the third one, so we, we reduced the size of our uh, response to, to two trucks. And there's there's two safety vehicles available to the to the track, and uh, um, they are uh, pickup trucks uh, with uh, with 150 gallons of water. And um, all the extrication equipment, there's a bit of small fire engine we carry, plus the medications, all the drugs and, 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 and uh, medical equipment that, that an ambulance would carry. The only thing we don't have is the transport capability. Wow. Um, so I did see, I think the motorcycle guys were there. And I so what I did see an amb- Joliet ambulance there. Is that something that different um, a, a groups that are renting the truck out? Do they did they require the ambulance, or is that something that you say, hey, if you're, the motorcycles are here, we have to have an ambulance? How does that kind of work? That, that's how that works exactly. Um, groups that rent from the from the track from from the autobahn. Some of those groups require an ambulance on the scene. And some of the groups don't. Uh, but some of the groups, we require the ambulance to be here because we realize what the danger of the situation is. And um, uh, organizations like a SCCA, Sports Car Club of America, they require an ambulance to be here. Oh. And, um, and, 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 and But like the motorcycles who were here last weekend, uh-huh. uh, they don't. They don't require an ambulance, but we require them to have an ambulance because we know how how often and how how critical it could be when the bikes are here. These guys, when they go down, they get hurt, <laughs> and for us to have to wait uh, five minutes for an ambulance and then and then start care. And then transfer care to a different set of medics who are going to transport these kids or these these motorcyclists. That that's something that we're not we're not really in love with that idea. So we we require them to pay for an ambulance here. Uh, like all weekend, Julia was here with an ambulance. I got it. Would would your guys ever ride in the ambulance with them, or would like I know you mentioned you transfer care? They would always still have to. Um... I, I assume two trucks are manned at, at all time during track operations. Is that correct? One truck, one truck is manned all the time unless there's unless there's both tracks. Both tracks are operational. Both trucks are operational. Gotcha. Okay, that and makes sense. If, yeah. If, if if we if we had a bad enough call where uh, Joliet uh, medics uh, and Important enough and incumbent upon them to, uh, to to do the transport right away, then we would uh, do, would certainly assist them with one of our medics in the back of the ambulance 
and go to the hospital with one of our guys. That's not out of the question. And in fact, it's something that we discuss every time those guys come here. We tell them who's here. We tell them how many medics are here. We tell them uh, how many EMTs are here. Uh, we uh, make sure that we offer to assist them in any way that they need us all the way to the hospital. And so far, it, it, in the history of the track, it's never happened because uh, we've stabilized the patients uh, prior to uh, transport enough so that, so that they can do the transport. And occasionally, uh, if it's bad enough, J- JFB will uh, send an engine with their ambulance, and then those guys are also paramedics. And they'll just pick up a couple guys off their ambulance and then transport that way. But uh, it, it can go either way, and we will help them if they need it. Okay. Wow. And do are the guys, the 23 uh, um, main guys that are out there on a track side, are they full-time? Or I know that fire departments, I'm assuming, are still, is that still how firemen work or fire firefighters work? Is that 24 on, 48 off? Is that still kind of the schedule that they maintain? And in, in generally, that's what's going on in every fire department in Northeastern part of state of Illinois, 24-48. Now, uh, there are departments that uh, that are part-time, and uh, they're working 12-hour shifts, and uh, they do it a little differently. But the people we hire here, we, we, we look long and hard at their, at their schedules, and generally speaking, the 23 members that we have here are all on a 2448 schedule at their regular fire departments. Okay. Some are retired, like myself. And, um, but for the most part, for the most part, those 23 guys are all on a 2448 schedule, and that's how they can come to work for us on their days off. Gotcha. Is, is, um, so, how? I guess I have to ask a few, <laughs> a few questions that I'm sure I know that my wife and I have discussed. How often is a situation, is a crash, bad enough that you're transporting somebody to the hospital? Is that once a month? Is that not hardly ever? Or how often does that happen? Uh, I I have to. I have to bring up my paperwork from last year, but I think we transported like uh, 35 people from here last year. Most of those were motorcyclists. Wow. It's very rare that we transport somebody uh, from a car accident here. He's a, this is a very safe environment for, for auto racing. Uh, a lot of runoffs. Very few places where the uh, where the track is close to a wall. It's very rare that we transport somebody out of a car from this location. Okay, um, I personally had the luxury of a few weeks ago finding one of those places where the wall is close to the track when you run off, <laughs> and uh, everything was fine. It was. It, I, it wasn't the car's fine. We were all fine, but uh, your team was there. 
I mean, so fast and so, uh, uh, I mean, all over everything, took charge, um, you know, asked us the right questions. And I know I had had my neighbor with me, you know, a a lap and a half, way to impress my neighbor to join the club, Uh, right, run off the track and hit the wall, tire wall. But, um, you know, it was great to see those guys. And I felt in in uh, good care. We were both completely fine. It wasn't what, uh, maybe 10 miles an hour or something. We finally hit the wall, but still they were there checking us out. Um, and almost immediately. And a year before that, um, my daughter, um, on the car track ended up getting a burn on her arm and boy, I can't tell you how great those guys were, um, uh, taking care of my, uh, she was probably nine years old at the time. Um, did such a good job that she, she still wants to cart race and everything. So, uh, it was, they were fantastic. So I do know that, uh, you guys are watching over all of us at the track and doing a fantastic job. Um, I do did appreciate they make that. You sign, did they make you sign a medical release? Uh, they did. Yes, they sure did. Yep. Yeah. Um, stating yeah. that we were, uh, we were both, both okay. And, you know, no neck problems, no anything. And, uh, um, yeah, we were good to go. So, um, I was, I was, I was worried about my neighbor and then worried about my car, but it, 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 it seemed to drive fine. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. uh, I'll, I'll try not to find that exact spot again. Uh, so what from, from a safety, um, I flew, I flew in the air force and, um, flew fighters in the air force. And one of the things that we, we often said was, um, two things when you're playing catch on fire, get out and run. And how far do you run? Well, you, you run until you feel stupid for running so far. And the other one was, was watch out for the fire guys, fire rescue guys coming toward the plane. Cause we're running from the plane cause it's on fire. You know, you're trying not to get hit by all the other guys trying to help you during the, an, an incident is so in an instant, if you have a problem in your car, do you want us to, obviously not on fire, right? You want to get out, but do you want us to stay in your car until you guys get there? And we know that the track is shut down before we get out. Um, obviously it's on fire. We probably want to get out and not run toward the track where the other cars are, but what, what advice and recommendations do you have for the drivers? Well, that's, that, that's uh, that is sort of a standing rule here. Uh, if the car's not on fire, stay in it. If the car's not on fire, stay in it and keep your helmet down. And um, if the car is on fire and, and you've got an onboard extinguishing system, pull it and leave. Get out. Um, that's what we were. That's what we would. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for you to stay in the car because the, car, the track is a dangerous environment. Okay. And um, as a fighter pilot, you know all about, uh, what do they call that, uh, target... Uh, fixation. When you're looking at target fixation and um, somebody's driving a race car on a racetrack, they see you, they get target fixation and they could come and hit you. I've seen that happen a couple of times out here. So um, don't get out of the car and keep your helmet on because you you want the car to protect you. They see you walking around the track, they might hit you, and that'd be the end of that. So 
Stay in a car with the front fire, keep your helmet on. And when we tow you, we want you to have your helmet on. In case the cable, in case the cable or the strap or whatever we're using to tow you fails. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Right. Hmm. So that, that's our advice to you. And, and if we ask you, if you have been towed before, uh, if you have, say yes. If you haven't, say no. Because if you've never been towed before, we'll tell you how to how to do it so that you don't so the strap doesn't get loose and wrap itself around your front end and tear the wheel off. Yeah, that's it. That's a good point. Um, yeah. So when you're being towed, yeah, yeah, um, you kind of run. Yeah, kind you of want to keep that strap. Yeah, you want to keep that strap tight. Yeah, that okay. makes that uh, makes sense. It doesn't. There's no slack in the strap, and you're doing that with your brakes while we're towing you. Okay. Um, how does one sitting in the truck all day long? How long are the shifts? I mean, is it? You know, I go by. I always, I always try to wave and say thanks for thanks for being there. I'm glad I didn't need you today. Um, are the shifts? Uh, Eight-hour shifts, or they broke up the monotony, broke up of of sitting there, or how does that work? Uh, they, as long as the track is open, they're there. And uh, if the track stays open until eight thirty at night, the same guys who started at eight o'clock in the morning are still sitting in that truck at eight thirty at night. Oh, okay. Um, the the whole the whole life of a fireman is waiting for the phone or the radio. That's that's all we do all day every day. And some days the phone rings a lot, and some days the phone doesn't ring at all. And um, so we're used to that. And a lot of times uh, these members of this team do a lot of reading or uh, studying, and uh, there's the, the continuing education for a paramedic. Is every month. Every month we take it. We take a class and take a test. Oh wow! And you have to study. You have to study for those tests, and so there's studying going on all the time. And uh, some some of us are studying. Uh, some of us, this team would be studying for promotional examinations or or other other ongoing uh, classes that they would be taking at their regular jobs. So there's a lot of studying that goes on goes on in that truck. A lot of reading, a lot of studying, and um, a lot of communicating back and forth. So it's, it, there's a lot going on. It's, you know, people just yeah, sitting in there, but that's, there's a lot more going on. There's a lot more to it than that. The same thing braces the truck is air conditioned. <laughs> right, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, wow, is, is there any, <clears throat> would there be anything else? Uh, that you'd like to say, you know, to, to some of the members and, and the drivers or, you know, um, carding guys or rally cross guys or something oh. that's, a, that's a safety issue that we, we should pay attention to? No, I think we've covered it. But I would say that I would like to say that we, we enjoy this job. This is the best part-time job a fireman could possibly get. And I've had some part-time jobs, believe me. <laughs> uh this is this is a great part time gig for a fireman to have. We're happy we, we, 
we're all happy we're here. We're, we thank the members and the and management for the opportunity to serve here. So, uh, you know, that's that's one thing I'd like to thank you guys all. Thanks for having us. So, if if someone um, would like to get a hold of you. Um, what's the best way to, to get a hold of you or is it to stop by the, um, the building and talk to somebody there? Or if someone has a safety question or just, uh, just wants to say thanks or how do we do that? Uh, just stop by the building. Someone's here every day that the track is open. It might not be me, but, uh, but somebody's here. And, uh, my, um, my my uh, email address is the same as everybody else's at the racetrack. It's our name, and then uh, it's just our, our first name, our last name, and then autobahncc.com. Okay. Are you looking for more? And I do have... Oh, go ahead. Uh, right now, right now we're not hiring. Uh, right now we're full, uh, but I, all, I always take... Uh, I always take uh, anybody's application who uh, wants to send it in, and I keep it on file. And as we need more people, because let's face it, I'm, I'm going to lose a couple of guys this season because they're getting full time jobs at different fire departments, and um, they were working as part time firemen someplace, and now they're they're getting full time jobs. So I'm going to lose. I, I lose people that way, and the other way I lose people is when they, when they have children. Um, when they when when firemen have kids, they it's, if their if, if their wives are working, uh, it's it's cheaper for the firemen to stay home and sure. take care of the kids instead of putting them in daycare. Sure, yeah. So I, I oh yeah, I do. But the, the, but the wife goes back to work, and on those on those the days when the fireman is off, he's he's uh, he got daddy duty. <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, well, yeah, Tom, thank you. I mean, I, I had no idea of any of this and, um, it's been enlightening to me. I have, um, it always had respect for the guys, the safety guys there, but now I, now I understand a great deal more about what's going on and behind the scenes. And, um, uh, I sure do appreciate you sharing your story and, and the, the club safety story with us. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, John. Well, that was amazing, Tom. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. We really do appreciate it. It was a lot of information. Uh, next up is uh, Balton Alls, and we'd like to welcome Balton to the Audubon Country Club podcast. Well, Balton, welcome to the podcast. I would just uh, had a bunch of questions, actually, about my laps. Are you guys are are you located in Atlanta? Is that where your office is? Yeah, the uh, the office for uh, North and South America is located in Atlanta, Georgia. Is that where you're from? Uh, I'm from Florida, but I've lived in Atlanta for since 1995. Okay, all right, so so a while. Um, and have you been? How long have you been with MyLabs? Fifteen years. Okay, all right, quite a while. Uh, and you had just mentioned on the phone the other day when we were visiting. You just got back from the the headquarters, right? Yeah, the uh, yeah we spent uh, we spent a week um, in the uh, headquarters right outside Am- uh, Amsterdam in Hemstede, um, doing some training, um, just meeting some of the new management. We got a new CEO and uh, just discussing the new direction and and things like that. Meeting colleagues. 
All right. Um, ex- so I guess the first question that for my personal question is, so I have an old, I guess it's an old now um, transponder. Yeah. And how long is that going to actually still work? Well, that's hard to say. Um, I, you know, when you say old, I don't know how old it is. It depends on when you bought it. I'd say that I'd say that the lifespan you should expect is around ten years. It's a nickel metal hydride battery, so it's it's pretty durable and long lasting. But yeah, I don't know when you bought it, but you could expect a good ten years out of it. I would say. No, I guess my my I was referencing the fact that now that a subscription is required. Um, is it indefinite how long the non-subscription transponders will continue to work? Uh, continue to work? They'll work at any track. Yeah. It, it, if anybody has one of the non-subscription-based transponders or what we call the classics, they'll work at any track um, that, that's out there running our equipment. So they won't become obsolete in that sense. So if you have a classic, basically you're going to use it and it's going to work anywhere you want to race until it dies. Okay. Okay, yeah, I guess that's where it's going. So there's no time frame for only the new models working. No, no, they're, they're, no. The systems that we have out there, everything is backwards compatible. So we won't eliminate in uh, uh, any old transponders that are in the market uh, from working. Gotcha. Okay, and I also recently just purchased the new uh, X2 transponder for. Uh, uh, my son's cart. And what's the difference between, I know that there's a, uh, different transponders are sold for different pieces of equipment. What's the prime difference between the cart transponder and the car transponder? Uh, the signal strength of the transponder for the most part. The cart transponder um, needs to be mounted. So there's a speed and a height difference. Um the carts being lower to the ground and not having the speeds that cars do, the signals weaker, uh, but it doesn't have to be as strong because of uh, how close it is to to the ground where the loops are installed, of course, um, and the speeds are lower. So that's the main difference. Okay. Aside and, cost. And uh, when when mounting uh, the the new transponder, I bought a bunch or several. Um, clips so that we can share them between all the carts is that is that, is that pretty easy just to move with do you, do you zip tie the clip onto the cart or is it have to be the the holder i should say or no i would uh well yeah i would take the the holder that comes with the unit whether you have an old classic or the x2 they all come with their own uh holder and clip you could it's your choice you could either zip tie it uh, to the preferred location that the race director wants, uh, or you can pop rivet it in and just leave it permanent. I see both done. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. And uh, how high does the cart one need to be, or how low, I should say, does the cart one need to be? Spec on the cart transponder is a maximum of 12 inches from the loop. Okay. Uh, car is 12 inches. Our specs are conservative. Um, People go outside and it'll still should work, but that's, that's that comes in the manual. Okay. And with the X2 cart transponder, I, I know there are two. There's the hardwired one and the rechargeable one. Both work perfectly well, exactly the same. Is there any difference yeah. between the two? Or uh, 
uh, they both work the same. Uh, the differences are the, the, there are some differences though. The um, the direct wired obviously can. The benefit is uh, the racer doesn't have to remember to charge it, you know, before the race each weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, once it's activated, they can just permanently install it with direct power. Um, and every time, you know, they they start the the engine, it's powered and ready to go, so they don't have to worry about having uh, did I charge my transponder or not. Another difference, though, is, uh, and this is kind of some of the, this is where we're heading, uh, MyLabs as a company in the future in the motorsports world, is with the direct wired unit, uh, these X2 transponders have the ability for two-way communication. So in the past, the signal was just going one way from the from the competitor's vehicle to the loop into the timing tower, and that's where the data was collected. That's still the same, but now the X2 transponder has the ability to receive data back from the timing system. So if you have an in-car display like an AIM Micron 5 or Magnetic Morelli or some different third-party um, display screens that you can connect through the CAN bus, the X2 transponder can send CAN messages from the timing system to a display. So you're getting real data from, you know, you're getting true data from um, from the timing system itself, our timing system. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And is that done via blue? Is that hardwired into the, like, we have Micron 5s on the carts. I know those pretty well. So do those go, uh, are they hardwired to the Micron or is it Bluetooth or? Hardwired to the, to the Micron, right. It would be hardwired from the, from the transponder uh, through either the CAN and to the Micron to the display. Um, It's RF signal from our transponder which comes with what we call x2 race link that that part's wireless coming from the tower obviously but the connection to the display is hardwire that's okay okay and um the data system i have in my car uh is um an old trackmate system that's probably not compatible right there's not at the moment yeah, that I, I'm not sure how if they're even still around or if they're still in business or not. Um, uh, I'm not sure either. Yeah, it, it works good, but uh, I'm not sure. I get that that they're still around. So the but the new system, the aim the aim system for the cars would be the one that that would work directly with. That's pretty interesting. Um, how long has the X2 been out? This is our third year selling the X2 transponders, I believe. Okay. And um, I did come across a transponder, an old transponder I'm going to get. Well, obviously, it's not an X2, but it was called a a fixed power transponder. Mm -hmm. Is that something that worked off the track, the track back powered that? Is that how how that worked? Yeah, that's used mainly in the rental carting, concession carting industry. So, you know, family fun zones or like, uh, you know, um, like an Andretti carting center. So the transponder needs no charge, um, you know, because they're running daily. And the way it works is the the detection loop that's embedded at those facilities is powered up. So when that transponder, that fixed transponder, goes over the loop, the power coming off the detection loop in the track turns the transponder on, grabs the signal, and then turns it off all while he drives over it. So the idea is, you know, you don't have to... It'd be uh it'd be kind of a, a difficult task to recharge your whole fleet of transponders every few days for a facility like that. So this way they can just permanently install it one time, 
and uh, installed a powered loop, the activated loop we call it. And that way the carts are always ready to uh, to be used with the transponder that's installed with it. Ah. And, it and it grabs the signal from it and uh, turns it off, and they can just leave it alone. Oh, very nice. Okay. All right. Um, and if if someone has, if we have any problems with the, the transponders, is the, do you take care of all the, what's exactly your position there at, at MyLabs? Do you do support I'm also? sales, support. Uh, my main function is obviously to sell, uh, but along with it comes uh, training of timing staff when they uh, buy the product, give them uh, support when they need it. But for, uh, it sounds like you're going to ask for transponder repair or issues. Uh, one of the one of the better benefits of the X2 transponder is that they're lifetime warranty. So if anything ever goes wrong with it, we'll just replace it for, for no charge. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because now the the new subscription subscription base uh, in the longest subscription, I believe, the shortest one is one year, and the longest is five years. Yeah, there's three options: a one year, two year, and a five year. The math gets better, you know, the further you go out. But another way to think of the subscription is is almost like an insurance type payment where you're covered. So we'll just take care of any any problems that. Uh, any of the parts have the transponder or the race key. We'll just replace them. Okay. Um, where are where are they made? Uh, productions out of Holland, where our headquarters is. Oh, so they do make them over there. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, if somebody would like to get a hold of you to buy a transponder, get service, or anything, what's the best way to to reach you? Uh, the phone number six seven eight. Eight one six four thousand. They can ask for me. Uh, email would be Balton, my first name, B A L T O N dot. My last name Alls, A U L L S at mylaps dot com. Either way is fine. Okay. Well, uh, Balton, I appreciate you answering a few questions for uh, the podcast today, and. Um, have a great rest of the day, and I look forward to my new transponder should be uh, in the mail. I should get it tomorrow, so I look, I look forward to checking it all out and using it. No problem. My pleasure. Thank you, and uh, you as well. Just any questions, reach out. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's the show. Thanks, everybody, uh, for tuning in again. A few announcements. Ladies' Day, May 31st, starts at uh, 11 a.m. Uh, you can uh, reserve a spot by reaching out to Terry Weber at AudubonCC.com or giving uh, Terry a call at the track. June uh, 3rd is uh, a radical race and a Miata race on the north track. Uh, Saturday, June 2nd, is the Carding Barbecue, which is a 90-minute enduro race followed by a uh, a barbecue it's a two to four uh, person competition using the uh, rental carts for that guest day members guest day is june 8th and then uh, june 9th is the gt challenge and wings and thing things race the car that started up the show today was a 1929 model a the model a was made from 1927 to 1931, about 
4.8 million Model A's were made. And it's a four-cylinder, 201 inches of uh, displacement. I always find it interesting that the Model T was made from 1908 to 1927, almost almost 20 years. And the Model A, um, there was actually an original Model A before the Model T. Uh, and But the main Model A that we think about was 1927 to 1931. Well, that's the show for today. Thanks for joining in. Make sure you subscribe. Tell your friends. Uh, I appreciate you, everybody, listening. Thanks. You've been listening to Autobahn Country Club Podcast, where your host, club member John Graybill, opens the doors to America's premier auto sports club. Join us next time for Autobahn Country Club Podcast.